the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Different strokes for different folks. We are not to be treating everyone in the church the exact same way. Why? Glad you asked. We've got answers for you next in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Join us for Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. treat everyone the same way inside of the church, and for good reason. The way we would minister to, say, a widow in her 80s, we certainly wouldn't want to try and treat a widow or a divorcee in her 20s the same way. There's still plenty of time, plenty of youth, and that is what we're looking at as the Apostle Paul lays all of this out for us. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. We are, as mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 25, as we continue with one final look at a couple of messages called, We Don't Treat Everyone in the Church the Same. This is part two. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. If you are an elder and you haven't been called to preach, oh my gosh, don't think that's a weakness on your part. God has a more important work for you as a ruling elder. So in the early church, the apostolic church, they had two kinds of elders. And in verse 18, it says, here is the reason to give, especially to give double honor to those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For or because, the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And the laborer, is worthy of his wages. Paul also quotes that verse again in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We don't have time to look at it, but it is one of my favorite passages. Because 1 Corinthians 9 says, pay the preacher. For it says, a laborer is worthy of his hire. That's just like an ox is able to live by his labor, don't put a muzzle on him. Let him eat some of the grain that falls onto the threshing floor. Don't muzzle the ox while he is threshing. Because, you see, that's considered stealing from him, not to allow him to live by his hard work of threshing out the wheat. So if it is stealing from the oxen not to let him make a living, so to speak, by their threshing work, How much more is it robbery not to allow a man to live by his preaching? You see, that's part of Paul's argument here. But it also applies to the workforce, beloved. The employee is worth his hire. If your employer's here, you've got to remember that. So he is saying to Timothy, these men especially men who work hard at preaching and teaching, make sure that they 
are able to make a living as much as is possible by their labor because Scripture says, now this is a very important verse, the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. Why is that important? That is from Deuteronomy 25.4. But you may say, we don't live under the Old Testament law. Oh, yes, we do. Paul said, here is the reason, and this is the underlying application I want you to see here. Paul said here is the reason you want to make sure those who preach and work hard at it are taken care of. Because scripture says in Deuteronomy that you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. Paul is basically saying, I'm not really concerned with the oxen. I'm concerned with the underlying ethical principle of this verse. That if it is robbery not to allow an ox to make a living by what he is doing, the principle is how much more is it robbery not to allow a man to live by his preaching or any other worker uh, worker, uh, as a man or a woman does. In other words, you may not own any oxen whatsoever here today. You most most likely have no grain to thresh with oxen. But the main point of all these little laws in the Old Testament, now listen, is not the literal statement of the law itself. It is the underlying moral principle it illustrates. And that is the sense in which we are still accountable to obey these little laws in the Old Testament. And that is the underlying point Paul is making here. You say, but I'm not under the Old Testament anymore. I'm under the New Testament. Well, it all depends on what you mean by that, as to whether you are right or wrong. There are churches out there who say, we are a New Testament church. Not us, beloved. Not here at RHC. We are a whole Bible church. We believe that the whole moral law of God, from Genesis to Revelation, is still ours to follow. Not the ceremonial laws. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the moral law of God. The particular application of the Ten Commandments. And in the New Testament, these little laws in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are applied in their moral principle time after time. When the first plantations were settled in New England, places like New Haven and Plymouth and Massachusetts Bay, the first thing they did was write their constitutions. And you can look all those constitutions up online because every one of these New England colonies said the law of this colony is the Mosaic legislation found in Exodus to Deuteronomy. Now, have you ever heard of the common law? It's actually a big thing in the United States and most of Western culture. Common law is an unwritten law that is about 1,000 years old. And basically, I'd have to say it's pretty good. 
So you'll hear lawyers and historians and even presidents talk about the common law as if it is the basis of everything. Well, where did this thousand-year-old unwritten law come from? And why is it, when you hear it, it is so much like the Bible? It is because in the 800s, King Alfred the Great of England, a Christian king, codified the laws of the Anglo-Saxons. And you can buy the laws of the Anglo-Saxons on Amazon. And if you read them, you'll see it is mostly Exodus through Deuteronomy. Except they mistakenly or shouldn't have anyway put a few German laws in there that really were not worth much at all. Now I ask you, did you learn that in high school? Did you learn that in college? I didn't, and I minored in history. Did you learn it in Christian school? Did you even learn it in homeschool? So what do you really know about our history as it relates to the law of God and the organization of the church? Do you realize that today most evangelicals, that is, people who claim to believe the Bible, is the word of God, hold doctrines that were dominant in the Middle Ages but were condemned as heresy by the Protestants in the early 1600s? In fact, people who believe these heresies not only were defrocked, that is, ministers kicked out of the ministry, but they were exiled from their own countries. Now, that may have been going a little too far. But nevertheless, they were serious about the truth and the difference between truth and error. And the sad part is that most evangelicals today believe those same heresies. So that's why Paul is taking all this time saying, why should you pay double honor to those who spend their life preaching? It is because God's word says in Deuteronomy 25, Old Testament, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. By the way, when you read in the Bible where it says the scriptures say, in another place in 1 Corinthians, it says, for it is written. But what, is, what it really says in Greek is, this stands permanently written, both Old and New Covenant. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. Now, the interesting thing in verse 18 is that there are two quotes, and Paul says they are both from Scripture. For the scripture says, one, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And two, scripture says the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, I'm not asking you to get out of concordance um, on the Old Testament and look up that second quote. But it is because it is not anywhere in the Old Testament. But it is still scripture. Now, what is important about that? He took two sentences from scripture. One from the Old Testament and one from somewhere else. And that was Luke 10. The laborer is worthy of his wages. It is a quote that is found in the 10th chapter of Luke. And Paul calls them both scripture. 
Now, what's important about that? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, all scripture is inspired by God. Everything designated by the word scripture originates with God, not with man. And so let's say you ask the average John Doe Christian today, when Paul says all scripture is inspired by God, what's he talking about? And they'll say, well, the Old Testament. And you say, well, you're half right. Because Paul considered scripture as both the Old Testament and New Testament. And he quotes both Deuteronomy and Luke. And he says, this is God-inspired, God-breathed scripture. One is just authoritative as the other, my friends. So Paul says, this is why we do things in the church the way we do. It's not just... A practical reason? It's just not my opinion. It is because the word of God itself says in both testaments, which the elders elected, are, were elected and chosen by God to uphold and defend and enforce. And they tell us, here is the way <coughs> we are to do things. And if you catch us doing in our worship service, or anything in the mission of the church, or the organization of this church, that you do not see any biblical basis for, you ask me or Matt or Ben. And if we are doing anything in any of these areas that is not based in Scripture, we will be duty-bound to stop and to thank you, because there is no law in the church other than the Word of God, period. So Paul is being very practical as he tells them these things. Now, verse 19. Don't receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Again, here we are, New Testament, going back to the Old Testament. So how important is this today? The Old Testament says that no one can be found guilty of a crime except on the basis of two or more cooperative witnesses. You can't just have someone go into a courtroom and say, this man is guilty of this. He has colluded with the Russians. But there's no cooperative evidence. There are not at least two witnesses. You can't be convicted for that. Oh, you might like to, but no one can be found guilty in a court of law in the United States or they should not be able to be found guilty in a court of law in the United States unless it is on the basis of two or more cooperative witnesses that can confirm each other's testimony. Well, it even goes farther here. It says you can't even make an accusation against an elder unless you've got two or three witnesses who can back you up. Not just being found guilty in a court of law. You can't bring even an accusation against him. And we need to hear that today. Because today in just about anything, a preacher can be vulnerable to those who hate him. Such as, he made an advance to me in his study. He touched my child inappropriately when no one else was around. All you have to do today is to say it. That's it. Because people are looking for opportunities to bring down a preacher who stands for the high standards of morality. 
And here it says, not only should a person not be found guilty of a crime without two or more witnesses in a court of law, but accusations shouldn't even be brought against these elders. Why? Because they're perfect? No, no, no. It is because they are working hard at preaching and teaching the word of God. And everyone who hates God's word will be after these men's hides inside and outside the church. And they will try to bring them down and slander them and make up stories about them. Beloved, they're easy prey for anyone who is bent on destroying them. Now in verse 20, Paul is saying, those elders who continue in sin, continue in sin, rebuke in the presence of everyone. He says, I'm not saying let Really sinful, wicked, immoral preachers get off the hook. You've got to be careful in what accusations you listen to. So if someone calls you on the telephone or says something to you, did you hear this about the preacher? What is your response to be? Do you have two or three witnesses to back you up? If you don't, I really don't want to talk to you at all. But Paul is not saying... Let those who are really guilty get a pass. He says those who continue to sin, those elders who are arrogant and immoral and self-consumed, and it is obvious, and you've already brought it to their attention, but they continue, rebuke them then in the presence of all. Rebuke them for their sin and their immorality in front of everyone so everyone will see what they really are. And then the rest of the elders and probably the church members will become afraid of sinning and be more careful and purer in their lives. I solemnly charge you, Timothy. Now in verse 21, Paul is telling Timothy To take an oath. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. In other words, don't be anyone's man. Don't be bought by popularity or wealth or anything as that. Be pure and godly. You live right in the presence of God, Timothy. And I call upon you this day to swear in the name of God as you stand in his presence and as you will stand in the presence of Christ Jesus and as you will stand in the presence of all the chosen angels. Maintain these principles revealed by the Holy Spirit and do it with impartiality. Don't worry about how much a man earns or how how much a man gives to the church. You be impartial and be a representative only of the law of God. Now, don't lay hands upon anyone too hastily. If you have someone in the church, Timothy, and you think he might be a good elder, after all, he gives a lot to the church... Or this guy here would be a good elder. I mean, everyone loves him. And this guy would be a good elder. I mean, he's a fine businessman and he dresses very nice. Don't 
lay your hands. That is, don't ordain a man too hastily. Wait until he matures. Examine him. See what he believes and see what his life is like. Don't be too quick. Because if you are hasty in ordaining a man who is too young or too immature, you will be responsible for the sins he commits. So you keep yourself free from their sin and immorality. And I really like verse 23. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Now, we know that Timothy was godly. We know that he was very strict and self-disciplined because he wanted to avoid every appearance of appearance of evil. But maybe he had gone a little bit too far. He may have been a little bit too strict on himself because what it says here is no longer drink water exclusively. So apparently Timothy thought the only way he could, uh, he could avoid criticism was to drink water, nothing else. Paul says, don't do that. That's why you are sick so much, Timothy. Because you see, back in those days, you could get really sick from drinking the water. And Timothy, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, straight from the mind of God, I'm telling you to drink a little wine for your health. And if anyone comes to you and says, you shouldn't drink, tell them that their scruples must be higher than Almighty God. So Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, concerned about Timothy's help, says, don't go farther in these things than you ought. Drink a little wine. Don't get drunk, be a moderate, but drink a little wine for the sake of your health. Now, verses 24 and 25 are very important. The sins of some men, that is, some of these elders and preachers, are quite evident. It is obvious. They were not adequately examined by the presbytery. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They weren't adequately investigated as to their lives, their marriage, the way they raised their children, the way they related to people of the opposite sex. Their sins are evident. They go before them to judgment, it says. They lead them to the judgment of God, just like puppy dogs on a leash. These men may be godly men, but of course, godly men sin and they make mistakes. And Paul is saying, don't hide those mistakes. Verse 25, likewise, also deeds that are good are quite evident. If a man is godly, it will show in his life. And those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. So if some preacher is a hypocrite and oh, he talks a good game and he plays a good game, but he's really a man of greed, arrogance, immorality. Well, he's not going to be able to hide that for very long. Numbers 32, 23 says, And you may be sure that your sins will find you out. No matter how careful you are to hide your sins from everyone else. If you are playing the role of a hypocrite, you will not be able to cover your sin for long. And the Bible says, not only will your sins find you out, but he who covers his sin shall not 
prosper. By the way, that's not just true of preachers. Are you living two lives? Are you living one life at the church and another at home and work? Do you think you'll be able to get away with it? Oh, my friends, not forever. You certainly won't be able to get away with it on Judgment Day when you stand before God and all those carefully hidden thoughts and actions will be exposed for all the universe to see. You and I will be naked as we were born, exposed before the sight of Almighty God. For it says, He who covers his sin shall not prosper. And if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Your prayers won't go any further than the ceiling. Behold, Your sins will be found out. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402. 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.